they've been married for 30 years. He's a pioneer of Catholic lay evangelization, and she has a master's degree in theology. Put on the coffee and get ready to open the scriptures. It's time for Bible with the Barbers. Now, here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome. Welcome to Bible with the Barbers on this Friday. The first Friday of September. It's September 2nd, 2022. Uh, By the way, today is the feast of the dedication of the cathedral in Los Angeles, Our Lady Queen of the Angels Cathedral. So um, it is a feast day in our diocese. For the at the cathedral, it's a solemnity. But for the parishes in our diocese, it is a feast day. So we, we honor Our Lady Queen of the Angels, and we um, ask for her intercession for this diocese, Los Angeles, which is actually um, named for Our Lady Queen of the Angels. So um, we thank God, and we want to uh, do a little Bible study here today. We want to understand what is a spiritual man, and what's the difference between a spiritual man and an earthly man? Are we, you know, people, men? M- when we say man, it means mankind. Um so not to exclude anyone, it means all of human beings. Um, but are we, are we men of human beings just of this earth, or are we spiritual human beings who have something beyond this earth to look for and to long for? And even on this earth, while we live in this passing world, are our hearts fixed on something greater, something bigger than what we can see and feel and touch. So these are questions we want to work with today and answer and and, um, try and come and understand more deeply through our study of Scripture. And remember that Scripture is God's holy word. God speaks to us through the Scriptures. The, The Holy Spirit is the primary author of Scripture. He's the one who inspired the writers. So even though the writers acted as true authors... Nonetheless, what they wrote down is what God intended for them to write down. So it's not just their opinion. You know, reading the scriptures, especially if you can read it in, in the original text, but it's not just reading the opinion of some theologian or a particular priest. It's reading what the Holy Spirit inspired certain people to write. So the, the Holy Scriptures... <laughs> The Holy Bible is a book like no other, just like Jesus Christ was a man like no other. We have in in, uh, Catholic theology what we call the incarnational analogy, incarnational analogy. What do we mean? The Son of God, the eternal Word of God, became man. So God was seen in human flesh. God himself was seen in human flesh. And everything that Jesus did in his humanity was informed and directed by his divinity. He didn't have a a human personality. He had a divine personality. He was the son of God, the second person of the blessed Trinity, who took to himself a full human nature, body and soul. Yes. So he's fully human, but without sin. And so we have this analogy of the scriptures. The scriptures are the words of men, but they're fully informed by the word of God, penetrated by the spirit of God. Just as 
the human being, Jesus of Nazareth, was filled with the Son of God. And, and by being filled with the Son of God, the Father and the Spirit are there with him. He is, he is truly God incarnate. So too, the scriptures are truly God's words in human language. So um, we'll say a prayer. We ask the holy angels to join us here and the Holy Spirit to give us light. Holy Spirit, give us light. Enlighten our minds and hearts to hear your words. Holy angels, please assist us. Sanctus, 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 Dominus Deus Sabaot, Pleni sunt celi et terra, Gloria tua, Hosanna in excelsis. Benedictus, qui venit in nomine Domini, Hosanna in excelsis. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. So I was struck this week by the first reading at the Mass during the week, and it's from the letter of Paul to the Corinthians, his first letter to the Corinthians. And in it, <clears throat> he talks about the spiritual man and the man of the flesh. And he begins, it's interesting because the letter begins in 1 Corinthians, he talks about certain factions, certain dissension that's taking place in Corinth. What am I talking about, Paul says? Well, some people are saying, I belong to Apollos or I belong to Paul, or I belong to Cephas, or I belong to Christ. And he's like, wait a minute, what's going on here? Is Christ divided, he asks? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? And then Paul goes on to explain, well, I didn't really baptize many people in Corinth. So no, you, you weren't baptized in the name of Paul. Besides, it was the few that I did baptize. I didn't baptize in the name of, Christ, of, of Paul. You don't baptize in the name of Paul. Why? Because Christ did not send me, Paul tells them, to, to baptize, but to preach the gospel. And not with eloquent wisdom. He means the wisdom of the world, the wisdom of the worldly, the philosophers. Okay? Not that philosophy is bad, and not that human wisdom is bad, but the wisdom of God is beyond and the reason he didn't send Paul to preach with eloquent wisdom was because if Paul were to pre preach with worldly wisdom, the cross of Christ would be emptied of its power. So what is the power and the wisdom of God? The, world, the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. Do we believe that Jesus really died on the cross and that we too are to follow him in suffering so that we will follow him in glory. But to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the cleverness of the clever I will thwart. Where is the wise man? Where is the scribe? Where is the debtor of this age. Has not God met, made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. 
Christ is the power and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. And he, he goes on, you know, not many of you are wise. That's, you know, so, and not many of you are powerful. But God chose the foolish of this world to shame the wise. God chose those who were weak to shame the strong. God chose those who are low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are so that no flesh might boast in the presence of Christ. He is the source of your life in Christ Jesus, whom God made our wisdom, our righteousness, and sanctification and redemption. Therefore it is written, let him who boasts, boasts in the Lord. The Lord is our boast. He is the wisdom of God. And the human nature of Jesus Christ is united to the divine person, second person of the Blessed Trinity. And so the weak, were there ever any children who became saints or martyrs? Yeah. Um, St. Tarsisius was 12 years old. Um, St. Eulalia, Eulalia was 12 years old. Um, St. Um, many, there were many young saints, martyrs, um, virgins, people who gave their lives totally to Christ and wouldn't compromise. And they were considered weak women, many women saints and martyrs. And I was like, well, they're just women. They have no strength. <laughs> and, and they stood against emperors. They stood before emperors and witnessed to Christ and wouldn't compromise. And they died to witness to the faith. So Paul goes on in the second chapter of this first letter of the Corinthians he says, he talks about, you know, when he was at Athens, Paul had seen that in Athens they had a, this was in the Acts of the Apostles, I think, they had a, um, a shrine to a God unknown. They were scrupulously religious. And just in case we forgot somebody, we better have a shrine to the unknown God. And Paul says, I have come to introduce you to the unknown God. But what's interesting in Athens, Paul's speaking at the Areopagus. This is where the philosophers met. These are where the learned men and women of the society are. Um, the people are interested in human learning. And he spoke to them about the resurrection. And they didn't understand. And they actually scoffed at him and walked away. So when he went to Corinth, he came in fear and trembling. And he said, I have resolved that while I'm among you, I will speak of nothing but Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in much fear and trembling, and my speech and my message was not in plausible words of wisdom, but in the demonstration of the spirit and of power that your faith might not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. So thank you for joining us on Bible with the Barbers on this first Friday of September. We honor the Sacred Heart of Jesus. And we'll be right back after this break. So don't go away and let your family and friends know that we have a Bible study here on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Thank you. Now back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, 
call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. So what is this wisdom and power of God that Paul is referring to here in, in 1 Corinthians 2? Paul's preaching didn't rely on eloquence, okay? So, the, so too faith must not be based on human wisdom. Our faith isn't based on human wisdom. By the way, faith is a gift. If you want the gift of faith, ask the Lord for it. And it's a gift that can be lost. So if you've lost your faith, if you had faith once and you've lost it, ask the Lord to restore you to faith. Faith is a gift. There are certain things we can know by the use of our human reason. But to know God as he is in himself, we need revelation. We need faith. We need God's enlightenment. So Paul says, that he based his message on the demonstration of the spirit and power. This is probably a reference to the powerful action of divine grace that God demonstrated in Corinth. In Corinth, when Paul preached the gospel, there were numerous conversions and actually a huge outpouring of the Holy Spirit in charismatic gifts. Corinth was a wretched city. (laughs) It wasn't a nice place to be. If there was anything immoral to be done, it was done in Corinth. So when Paul goes there, he's speaking to a mass of broken humanity. They had the the goddess of love, who, by the way, the goddess of love in the ancient Greek societies was not a goddess of love. She was a goddess of lust. And you had temple prostitutes who set up their booze around her temple, and men went to the prostitutes. And, And you had a lot of illegitimate little children who had no fathers because their mothers were prostitutes. And so you have this broken mass of humanity. And it wasn't just prostitution. I mean, it was anything. Anything goes. It was, the, Corinth was a very wicked, wicked city. So when Paul comes and he preaches Christ crucified, these people are moved. You, know, you don't have to live in sin. You don't have to live in slavery to the desires of your flesh. What? He's preaching freedom. A freedom of what? You mean, you mean I, can, I can say no to the desires of my flesh? Men don't have to be reduced to animals who are subject to their passions, and, and women don't have to be objects to be used and, and commodities to be bought and sold, and, and little children aren't just burdens and, and um, you know, whatever to be thrown away? No, we're all made in God's image, and the Son of God really became man, and he dignified mankind human beings, by raising us up to union with God. And this is what Paul is preaching, and he's calling them to union with God. And so there's all these charismatic gifts that are poured out on them, and many conversions, and so they come to believe. And so God continues to act through the Christian message, which is unique. It cannot be replaced. Wake up, 21st century Christians, You cannot replace the gospel with something else. There's no new gospel. There's only one gospel. There's only one Jesus Christ. Okay? We have to preach Jesus Christ and him crucified and risen. He is the power and the wisdom of God. It does not permit either indifference, syncretism, or accommodation. We can't just blend in with the rest of the world. We can't just take pagan ideas and say, oh, well, you know, we can be Christians but still hold to pagan ideas. No, we have to become new men, Paul will say in one of his letters. Put on the new man who is Christ. 
We are supposed to put on Christ and allow Christ to live in and through us. It's a question of people's salvation. It is the beauty of the revelation that it represents. It brings with it wisdom that is not of this world. It is able to stir up by itself faith. The message of the gospel will stir up faith, faith that rests on the power of God. It is truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There's not many truths. There's only one way. There's only one truth. There's only one life, Jesus Christ. It means having the apostle concentrate at all his time and all his energies to sacrifice for it, if necessary, his own life. And yes, people died as martyrs to spread the gospel. People defended the gospel with their lives. They witnessed to the gospel with their lives. I will not give up Jesus Christ. I will give up my life here in this world to be brought to life eternal with Christ. So the wisdom of the world isn't what we're seeking. It's not the purpose. It's not what we need to submit to. But it's the cross of Christ that we need to submit to. And Paul teaches us that the gospel is not contrary to reason. It's not contrary to reason. But the wisdom it holds is much more profound. It is divine wisdom. So the wisdom of the gospel goes beyond the ability of human reason to reason. And that's why it's revealed to us. We can know from our human reason without the gift of faith that God exists. That God exists. And Jesse was talking about this in the previous show. That God exists is not an article of faith. It's a self-evident truth to anyone who is intellectually honest. But to know that God is a trinity of persons, that's an article of faith. To know that the Son of God became man, that's an article of faith. We need the gift of faith to know that. But faith is a gift that's ours for the asking. Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened to you. Do we really want faith? And we have to ask ourselves, do I want a comfortable life in this world where God doesn't demand, I want a comfortable God who doesn't demand anything of me. I don't have to give up any of my pleasures of this world, any of my comforts. I can live for myself and please myself and serve myself and, and just be content in myself and my selfish little world that revolves around me. Or are we being called to go out and to expand? What did God do? What does the second person of the Blessed Trinity do? He goes out from the Father in a dynamic motion. The Father eternally speaks one word. And that word is his Son. It's a person. That word of God is so real. It's a person. And the Son comes back to the Father. And the embrace of the Father and the Son is so real that it's a person, the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit spirates from the Father and the Son. And so too in the Incarnation, the second person of the Blessed Trinity empties himself and takes the form of a slave. Being born in the likeness of men, he was known to be of human estate. And it was thus that he humbled himself, obediently accepting even death, death on a cross. 
and because of this God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name above every name so that at Jesus' name every knee shall bow in the heavens, on the earth, and under the earth, and every tongue proclaim to the glory of God the Father, Jesus Christ is Lord. He emptied himself and became obedient unto death. Do you realize that the crucifixion is the greatest crime that was ever committed by any human beings and we're all involved in it? It's called deicide. God really became man. He really took to himself a human nature so that he could sacrifice himself on the cross to free us from slavery to sin. He could redeem the meaning of the fall of man. The fall of man whereby man became estranged from God and was an enemy of God. And Christ recapitulated the whole creation in himself because when man fell, all of creation fell. The created world was created for us to be able to come to know God. But disorder and disruption was introduced into the created world with sin. And so... God himself became man because by sin, man had committed an offense against God. Well, that's an infinite offense. Adam and Eve's sin was an infinite offense against God and only God could pay that price. So Jesus Christ is God incarnate. He took to himself a human nature and really died on the cross. And Jesus said, the father loves me for this that I lay down my life to take it up again. So the cross of Christ is what gives meaning to our life. We would be slaves of sin. He could have left us natural men with a natural end. God, that wasn't God's choice. God wants us to be in union with him. He made us for union with him. And how did he accomplish that? By his son becoming man. And when his son became man, by taking to himself a human nature, he takes all of human nature and redeems it and makes it possible for it to be reunited to him. So it's not worldly wisdom. It's not, you know, eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die. And it's also not the health and wealth gospel. That if I believe in God, I'm going to be wealthy and healthy and, and, you know, no. It's if I believe in God, I have the opportunity to follow his son in suffering and in service. Jesus came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So what is this man of God? This man of God is the, this man of the spirit is putting on Christ, putting on Christ, being willing to die with Christ in union with Christ, die to ourselves in our sin first being willing to die martyrs if that's what God's calling us to, but to live that martyrdom of saying no to myself every single day, I renounce sin and Satan and I believe in God and I will live my belief in God. And even if I fall down, I will go back to God and say, I am sorry. I am weak and I am little and I am broken and I sin and Lord, I need your mercy today. Right now, I've sinned. Have mercy on me. Not beating myself up and saying, I'm no good and I'm not worth being redeemed. Jesus Christ didn't think you weren't worth being redeemed. I don't care what you've done, who you are, where you've been. Jesus Christ died for you, for me. He died for each one of us as if we were the only one. 
So the wisdom among the mature is that Christians are, are to be like Christ. It's not, and, and by the way, this isn't some kind of a, you know, Paul speaks here about a secret wisdom. And the Gnostics took that to mean only, oh, there's only an inner core of people who can know this wisdom and not everybody knows it. And so they come up with all this esoteric secret knowledge that not everybody knows, you know, the Gnostic gospels that no, absolutely not. It's knowledge for every single Christian, for everyone who follows Christ. All of us are called to live in union with God, to be spiritual men and women. Yes, that mankind, to be spiritual human beings. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Time. Oh my word. I must be having a great time. I hope you are too. Please tell your friends and your family about the Bible study on Virgin Most Powerful Radio and have them listen in. Get the app, have them download that app, and and join us. If you can donate, um, call 877-526-2151. If you have a question or comment, 888-526-2151. Be right back. Don't go away. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome. Welcome back to um, Bible with the Barbers. And if you want to, um, actually, if you want a question or comment, you can actually send that to Richard at VMPR. Richard at VMPR. Um, and that may be .org. Um, yeah. Richard at VMPR.org. And then if, so he can, and then he can relay the question to me. So we're talking about 1 Corinthians and we're talking about the spiritual man and what makes the spiritual man and what is this wisdom of God that makes us spiritual. And Paul talks about a secret, a hidden wisdom. Now, he's not talking about something that's only for a few people, okay? It, this, isn't, this isn't a wisdom that's, oh, this is only for the, the elite. There's only an inner circle that knows this. No, actually, this is for every Christian. It's a reference to the content of the divine wisdom and to its revelation. It means the same as God's plan of salvation, which extends to all men, including Gentiles. Remember in Ephesians 3, 3 6, where Paul says that um, how, how the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. It's the secret was that God wants to save all mankind. Now, he also, part of that secret is we're free. He gives us freedom because he, he's love and he wants us to love. So we have to love. <laughs> and in order to love, we have to be free. So here's the secret. God came to save us. God himself came to save us. And this is for everyone But each of us has to try to come to know this and embrace it. So if you want faith, ask for it. If you want to know God, ask him to reveal himself to you as he is. Okay? So it's it's a secret and a hidden wisdom, but it can be known not by the use of our human reason, but by means of revelation. It's through revelation that we come to know this secret and, and with the secret wisdom that God reveals. It's not something that human reason reveals to us. 
Yes, we can know that God exists by the use of our human reason. We can know that God is all good. We can know that he is all beauty. We can know that he's all truth. We can know that he is ordered. And we can know that he is, he is the creator of the universe. All of those things we can use come to know through the use of our human reason. But we can't know God in and of himself or his plan for salvation. You know, when man sinned, God could have said, okay, you, you, you rejected my grace, so now you have to live a natural life and die a natural death, and that's it, you're done. No, he promised. Remember Genesis 3.15, the proto-evangelium, the first good news. I will put enmity between thee and the woman, between her seed and your seed, he said to the devil who had tempted Adam and Eve to sin. But remember, Adam and Eve weren't forced. It was a free choice that they made, and they didn't sin out of fear because when we are operating out of fear, we're not operating fully freely. They were operating, uh, operating out of, they let the trust in God die in their heart. They looked away from God. They stopped looking to God and they started looking. As a matter of fact, they started looking to things that God had created. Oh, this, this fruit, it looks very good for, for knowledge and well, no good and evil. Well, wait a minute, you already knew good. What you didn't know was evil. You didn't know sin firsthand. Yeah, if you eat from the tree of that fruit, the, the fruit of that tree, you will know evil because evil is rejection of God. It's sin. And it's not a creature. It's a rejection of goodness. And you will know sin. And then you will also know death. Death was introduced into the world through sin. So it's not a secret wisdom that's kept for a few. It's for everyone who wants to know Christ and follow Christ and who wants to to, to be like Christ. And that's what we're called to. We're called to follow Christ and be like him. So we won't know it fully here on this earth. We're not fully going to know it on this earth. It, but we can come to live in union with God. You know, the saints have, um, <laughs> the saints have lived something called transforming union. They have come to a point in their life when they have given up all sin and they are so focused on the gospel and living the gospel that their total focus is on God and his holy will and they only want what God wants. And it's interesting because it's, it's like the intercessors, you know, Moses in the Old Testament and God says, when the people sin at the golden calf and God says, well, I'm going to destroy them. And Moses says, Lord, wait, if you destroy them, what are your enemies going to say? This God just brought those people out into the desert so he could destroy them. No, these are your people, Lord. But who had formed Moses as an intercessor? <laughs> who was it that gave Moses the grace? God had. God allows Moses to intercede. And, and so... God doesn't want to destroy us. He wants us to come to know him. And he wants us to freely choose him, but he wants us to give up our sins. And so he allows us to intercede for one another and to pray for one another. If you see your brother sinning, go and tell him. If he won't listen, go and get two or three witnesses so that every case stands on the. If he won't listen, then tell it to the church. And if he won't listen even to the church, then, okay, 
you know. But each one has to choose. God isn't going to choose for us. He can't, he, he, he gives us his love. He pours out his love for us. He gave us his son. So he wants us to follow him. And Jesus Christ was crucified because the leaders of the Jewish people didn't accept him as the sent Messiah. They had a different idea of Messiah. He wasn't fitting the bill. He wasn't fitting their preconceived notions. And they, not all of them, many of them became Christian. But some of them didn't. And they rejected the Messiah that God sent them. The Messiah that they had waited thousands of years for. And any one of us can be in this position. We can know God and serve him. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, wait a minute, Lord, you don't want me to make that sacrifice. You don't want me to forgive that person. That person hurt me so bad. There's no way I could ever forgive him, Lord. Our father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive. Do we say in our heart, I'm not going to forgive my brother and not tremble when we pray those words? Forgive us our trespasses. So who is this man of God, this spiritual person who um, knows God? And how do we know if we're spiritual or unspiritual? Well, Paul told us in the beginning of Corinthians, he's talking about the dissension and the division that's occurring, okay? That, and, and this is a sign that you're not fully spiritual yet. You're still living in the flesh. This dissension among you, this quarreling and bickering and these rivalries this is a sign of it. Well, James, the letter of James, we want to go to James 13. And, and there are two kinds of wisdom, and, and James talks about it, okay? And this is the two kinds of wisdom that Paul's referring to, okay? Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good life, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. So if we have, whoa, <coughs> what? Bitter jealousy and selfish ambition. If that's what's in our heart, we don't have the wisdom of God. So we can't boast that we do, because if we do, we're being false. We're misrepresenting the truth. And what does James say about this bitter jealousy and selfish ambition? What kind of wisdom is this? This wisdom does not come down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, devilish. We're following the devil. <laughs> We're being unspiritual. He goes on. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. And then he shows you the contrast. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason. Right reason. We don't deny our ability to reason. Our right reason is a gift from God full of mercy 
full of mercy. We forgive because we have been forgiven. And good fruits without unsincerity, without uncertainty and insincerity, excuse me, without uncertainty and insincerity. So the good fruits, it's a harvest that comes and it's clear and we're not insincere. We're not looking for praise and, and glory. We're looking to serve as Christ served. And the harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So James is showing us who is the spiritual and who is the unspiritual. And when he talks about, when Paul, back in Corinthians here, in Corinthians um, 1, 1 Corinthians, this is the first letter of the Corinthians, chapter 2, verse 8, he says, none of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory, Jesus Christ, the Redeemer. And he says, but it, as it is written, what no eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor the heart of man conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. And what is this? Well, the early fathers of the church and the early church... It, it, I'll have to tell you on the other side of the break because guess what? I hear the music. So we're going to talk about this passage. What no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, nor the heart of man conceived. What God has prepared for those who love him. Don't go away and get your friends and family to tune in. This is exciting stuff. Thank you for listening to us on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Good afternoon. It's uh, Friday, September the 2nd. Happy First Friday. And uh, by the way, if you have a question or comment, just email uh, richard at vmpr.org and you can send that question to him or comment. Okay, so we're talking about, and I promised you that I would talk to you about this passage from St. Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 9. It's actually verse 9. What no eye has seen, nor ear has heard, nor the heart of man conceived, what God has prepared for those who love him. Well, um, we have a quote here from uh, one of the fathers of the church, uh, actually from uh, St. Clement's letter to Rome. And in St. Clement's letter, he says, How blessed, how marvelous are the gifts of God. Some of them, indeed, already lie within our comprehension. The life that knows no death, the shining splendor of righteousness, truth and freedom, trusting faith, the holiness of chastity. So already, some of these gifts of God lie within our comprehension. What are the ones that he enumerates here? The life that knows no death, our eternal life. We can lose the life in the body because we have life with God in heaven for all eternity. The shining splendor of righteousness, how good it is to be righteous. Righteous in God's righteousness, truly righteous. Truth in freedom, to know the truth in freedom. And trusting faith and the holiness of chastity. But what of the things that God has prepared for those who hope in him? Only the creator and father of eternity knows them. 
Let us strive earnestly to be counted among those who wait patiently in order to earn a share in his promised gifts. So he's saying that, yes, already we know some of these secrets of God. But when we get to heaven, there's going to be so much more. And then we have the Catechism of Pius V. And what does it say here? It says that with this truth, the minds of the faithful should be deeply impressed that the happiness of the saints is full to overflowing of all those pleasures which can be enjoyed or even desired in this life, whether they have to do with the powers of the mind or the perfection of the body. Although this must be in a manner more exalted, or to use the apostle's word, than what eye has seen, ear has heard, or the heart of man conceived. Now, it's referring to the saints in heaven and how they, they're, they're, they, even in heaven, we're going to experience all the pleasures which can be enjoyed or even desired in this life, whether they be of the powers of the mind or the perfection of the body, but all in accord with God's holy will. Everything is accords with God's holy will. And in heaven, remember, we will run and not grow weary. <laughs> you know, there's no, there's no tiredness. And, and, and God has prepared for us a, a, a banquet of, what was it? Rich foods and, and, and pure wine, you know, juicy rich foods and the choicest of wine. But this isn't just meant for heaven. And this is what we learn from Jesus's closest friends. And by the way, we are all called to transforming union. We're all come to all called to become one of Jesus's closest friends. We're called to be saints. And what does it mean to be a saint? To be a saint, and Paul addresses his readers in his letters as saints, to the saints of God, those who believe in Jesus Christ. It means to live in union with God here on this earth. So those words, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, nor the heart of man conceived what is prepared by God for those who revere him, is not just what we will have in heaven but it's what the saints experience on this earth. When I talked about transforming union earlier in this show, when the saints came to the point where there was nothing of this earth that held any draw for the saints anymore. They only longed for that perfect union with God. And so they gave up everything of this world. The martyrs, you know, Franz Jagenstadter, who died during World War II because he wouldn't carry a gun in Hitler's army. He said, no, I won't. They were going to conscript him and force him to carry. He said, no, I'm not. I will not fight for the third right. He said, I will become a medic and serve. I'll serve the sick, but I won't. And they put him in prison. And he said, I wouldn't exchange this dirty prison cell for the world. If it meant giving up Christ, I would rather be in this prison cell. If I can have Christ than to be free and lose him. Do we long for that union with Christ that, that makes everything pale? What does Paul say in his letter? I live now, not I, but Jesus Christ lives in me. 
I still live the life in my flesh, but it is a life of union with God. So that the, the things of this world, you know, that the, the, the sufferings of the moment are nothing in comparison to the glory that will be revealed in us in Christ Jesus, our Lord. This is the spiritual man that we need to be putting on. This is what we're being called to here. The unspiritual man can't receive the gifts of the spirit of God for their folly to him. Because what are the gifts of God? The gifts of the God say that the gifts of God, the one God, the true God say, you know, the passing pleasures of this world are passing. And the sinful pleasures of this world are not worth losing your soul for. So we give up sin. And in addition to sin, we can come to the point where we give up even legitimate pleasures. It was interesting because St. Ignatius of Loyola wrote that, he said, you know, it's not really a sacrifice to give up sin. That, that's, you know, that's kind of your duty. That's what we're supposed to be giving up. He said, it's a sacrifice to go without that which is absolutely necessary. And he was saying it's not really a sacrifice to give up sin and to give up what's extra. He said it's a sin to give up what that which is absolutely necessary. But as Paul said, the sufferings of the moment are as nothing in comparison to the glory that will be revealed in us. And why can't the unspiritual man appreciate the gifts and the wisdom of God? Because what is the wisdom of God? The wisdom of God was that his son came and died on the cross, that Christ Jesus died for our sins. I have resolved while I was with you to preach nothing but Jesus Christ and him crucified. He is the power and the wisdom of God. So this is the wisdom of the spiritual man, that yes, we will suffer in this world, but all of our sufferings can be offered up in union with Jesus to help redeem the world. As Paul would say in Colossians, I fill up in my own flesh what is lacking in the sufferings of Christ for the sake of his body, the church. All of our suffering has meaning, even the suffering of little children. A friend of mine was texting me this week pictures of a little baby who had to have a pacemaker put in because there's something wrong with their heart. I mean, I'm talking about a little baby. This is a little baby who's crawling on the floor. And she had a pacemaker put in. And they're giving medicine to her. To The pacemaker is supposed to help the heart from going too slow. And then they're giving her medicine to try and keep the heart from going too fast. Something's wrong with her heart. And so, and, and this little baby, I mean, she's, she's got this big smile and she's been through surgery and oh my God goodness. And they thought they were going to lose her this week. And, and here she is. She's home. She's home from the hospital. She had the pacemaker put in on Monday. It looked on Tuesday like they were losing her. And, and here it's Friday and she's home. And she suffered. This little baby suffered. Can children suffer and offer their sufferings in union with Jesus? What did the angel say to the children at, at Fatima? Make of everything you do a sacrifice and say, Jesus, it is for love of you, for the conversion of sinners in reparation for the sins committed against the Immaculate Heart of Mary. How can you Catholics be praying in reparation for the sins committed against the Immaculate Heart of Mary? Well, because God made her immaculate. He made her beautiful. If we do not acknowledge God's work, by the way, we're not denigrating his work. We're denigrating God. I remember once hearing... Protestant minister debating with Jerry Mattatix, and he said, oh, the Blessed Mother was nothing special. She was just a dirty rag that God used and threw aside. I caught my breath when I heard it. I wasn't at the debate. I was listening on the radio, and I just was like, that's blasphemy against God. God doesn't use us. We're not his slaves. 
We're his dearly beloved children. He doesn't use us. He allows us to participate in his life. This is the secret hidden wisdom of the saints. We participate in the life of God, in his love. And, And we can participate in the crucifixion of our Lord, in his sufferings, by offering our sufferings and uniting them to Christ. Bishop Sheen said, our hospitals could become spiritual nuclear power plants if everyone in the hospital knew I can offer my sufferings in union with Jesus. I can fill up in my own flesh what is lacking in the sufferings of Christ for the sake of his body, the church. Jesus, it is for love of you, for the conversion of sinners and in reparation for the sins committed against the immaculate heart of Mary and against the sacred heart of Jesus and especially Jesus in the blessed sacrament for sin. We make reparation to God. God doesn't use us and throw us aside. It doesn't denigrate God when we honor his works. And by the way, Jesus honored his mother. He kept the fourth commandment absolutely perfectly. Mary is his mother. He honored her. And in the scriptures, it says, I will honor these godly men, our fathers, and their names will be told in the assembly. Honor them. Not in place of God, but glorifying God by the work he does in us. So we have to strive to be spiritual men, to put on the mind of Christ and to put to death the works of the flesh, which is sin, and living for myself and for pleasure. We live in a world in a culture of death. And what is the root of that culture of death? The pleasure culture. That whatever feels good for me in this moment is okay for me. Not so, my friend, not so. We want to put on the mind of Christ to sacrifice ourselves for one another and, and to live in union with God. And this is what we're called to, to be spiritual men and women who live in union with God and Spread the word of God, not by beating people up with the gospel, but by being joyful Christians who serve and who are happy to serve. What was it they said in the, in the early days of the church? What were the pagans saying? You see those Christians, how they love one another. So let's have the world look at us again and say, you see those Christians, how they love one another. Let's be spiritual people who put on the mind of Christ and live in union with them. Thank you so much for your support, your spiritual support, your financial support, those of you who offer your sufferings, those the radio stations that pick up our signal, thank you. All of, you know, tell your friends and family, thank you for spreading the word about Virgin Most Powerful. And let everybody know there's a Bible study here on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Please God, we'll see you again next week.